0: Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and to honor alienated parents next month on International Parental Alienation Awareness Day, Epiphany Awaits is offering a faith-based retreat for alienated parents with both in-person and a Zoom option on April 23rd through the 25th, 2021 at the Resolution Center in Jacksonville, Florida. It's free on Sunday, the 25th, and at 1 p.m. Eastern via Zoom, it's available. And for purchase after that date for $24.99, scholarships are available. Email request for application and register form to epiphaniesawait at gmail.com. That's E-P-I-P-H-A-N-I-E-S await at gmail.com. And I have a very special guest. His name is Andrew Folkler. He is a professional writer who specializes in trauma, personal development, and parental alienation. He is an associate producer of the documentary Erasing Family and a co-host of the Broken Families podcast. Andrew is an active speaker in the parental alienation field, using his experience of estrangement from his mother to help and guide parents and children who endure this gregarious form of abuse, and I'm so happy to have you on. How are you doing, Andrew?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on, Marianne
0: Well, I'm glad because you've got a lot, a lot of wisdom for someone so young. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Yes, and uh, you've got some YouTube videos out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a bunch of them, and uh, they're very fascinating. Um, and maybe at the end, you can tell us how to find you on there. Absolutely. Okay. So um, now your your primary expertise lies in parental alienation, and you've dealt with a lot of estrangement in your family. Mm-hmm. So I. I'd, go have. ahead.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely have. Um, so when my parents divorced, I was right around five years old, around there. Uh, my dad was out there. Searching for a partner, and he was trying to kind of fill in the gap and kind of make that family whole again. And while doing that, he was also trying to get his career launched up. And so, as a result, he was out there looking out for somebody. And then that's when he met my stepmother. Um, And they were married for about 12 years. And throughout that entire 12 year process, I was very quickly cut off from my biological mother. You know, she was a foreigner and in, in the United States, she really didn't have uh, much support back there back then. And at the time, really, she only had her boyfriend at the time to really help her. And so with, with her financial difficulties, with my parents' financial difficulties, they were just trying to just get by after this really um, bad divorce that kind of split the family apart. Stepmother shows up and what ends up happening is I was slowly, my brother and I were slowly pulled away from my mother and we were being fed information that led to the eventual estrangement. And over after I would say, you know, maybe a few months after my dad married, the step, my stepmother. That is when we moved across the United States from Arizona to Michigan, putting pretty much an entire nation apart between my brother and my brother, my, between myself, my brother, and my mother. So from there, it was a lot easier to maintain that estrangement and that uh, alienation, and there was nothing that she could do to defend herself, to defend her name or her reputation and all i heard was a very embellished one-sided story in regards to what happened to my mother now one of the common questions that people ask me is okay well you know if you, did your stepmother do this was your dad a part of it considering that you know oftentimes there is a a team up effort between one parent and the the i guess you could say the alienating parent and the partner that they choose And in my case, it was it was a little bit more different where this was mostly the alienating stepmother. And my father was off working overtime trying to get his career started. The reason why he left my stepmother in charge was because she was a childcare and curriculum specialist. You know, she was a teacher. She was out. So in his mind, who better to leave the kids with? and that is what led to the estrangement.
0: And how how long was the period of time that all of this evolved when he left you alone with her?
1: Most of it was with her. I mean, considering that he was working usually 10, 12 hours a day, uh, five days a week, and then probably, and usually his jobs were often farther away you know two three hour drives away he was spending most of his time not at home and so my education my diet my entire life was pretty much put under her control and it would be the same for my brother as well and as a result there were a lot of habits that were forcibly changed there were a lot there was a lot of disciplinary measures that were taken to ensure that we were compliant
0: mm-hmm. and
1: there and we were fed messages that really no kid should have been fed mm-hmm. and to, in context i could say that my you know one of the, one of the insults you could say that the alienating stepmother made of my mother was that she was a slut and somebody who was out there, um, sleeping with other men. Now, again, uh, it, it, it's, it's an insult that you hear as adults all the time, but when you're anywhere from seven to 10 mm. years old and you know what that word means and you know the context of it, it's, it's a very, well, it was the word it's, uh, it destroys your image of the person that you love most because this is someone who's supposed to who brought you into the world and who has given you the opportunity to experience this thing that we call life and it is somebody that you know it it's your first parental bond you could say
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so to to feel like you were just brought into the world only to be cast aside for uh, more a more promiscuous lifestyle. Despite that not being true, that was just the vision that I was provided. I was angry, and so was my brother. Now you can't hold on to that anger forever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So rather than rather than going through, you you could say that it's a like a modified version of going through the grief cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you
1: know, you, where you have that that sadness that initial sadness and depression and grief and it turns into anger and then afterwards acceptance it it, rather than acceptance the final stage for my brother and i was apathy you know we reached the stage where we stopped caring you know this is who this uh you know negative image of who she is is what we thought she was Mm -hmm. and we gave up we just well this is who she is then this is this is how it is you know we'll we'll just move on we'll accept this stepmother as our guardian angel as the person who has saved us from the uh, the uh, you know the appalling acts of our mother and we will just accept it for what it is and and abide by her rulings because clearly she knows better
0: mm. now with all of that that must have taken well years of conditioning
1: absolutely did
0: and um to uh you know because she built up this this estrangement mm-hmm. or would you call it an alienating behavior it it definitely
1: okay. is alienating um i lean towards just using estrangement just because it's an easier word to recognize and speak mm-hmm. i think that uh parental alienation is a it's, it's a scientific term but it's not a marketable term if that makes sense mm-hmm. it's just my opinion I think it's the same reason why ginger Gentile labeled named her movie erasing family you know mm-hmm. anybody can talk about being erased but to be alienated you know you need to practice just to say the word
0: <laughs> right right um I watched that film and it was really good. It was very well done. Mm-hmm. And I thought the, the sad part of it was there was uh, the one young man who just walked away from both parents. He just, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought that was just so sad. He just didn't want, it seemed like he did not want anything to do with either parent. Yeah, it,
1: it can definitely be heartbreaking like that. And, I, and when I interviewed Ginger once, uh, she said that she did something similar where she walked away from both parents because they were such high conflict people. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, it, and it's heartbreaking considering that uh, there's going to be a lot of regret t- down the road, just in general.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, how long do you think this regret? will take i guess every every these uh estranged parents you know um you know a lot of estranged parents you know make mistakes what Mm -hmm. are the what are the common ones when they're trying to reconnect and try to resurrect a relationship that's been so heavily damaged okay
1: well it really does depend on the stage of their alienation process so if it's at the most extreme case then what ends up happening is they're they're trying to force a relationship when it's not actually there
0: Mm -hmm. a
1: great example i like to try and explain to people is if i walked up to young lady down the street and i say hi my name is andrew let's get married you know she's she's absolutely going to say no she's going to say get away from me i don't know who you are i don't want to talk to you you know you're creeping me out whatever Mm -hmm. and so what's wrong with that situation well there's no relationship There's no rapport. There's no uh, previous experiences, no common language spoken. I mean, I don't mean that linguistically, but just in general, there's no common understanding between the two people. Mm -hmm. You know, you you could maybe take it down an extremity and I walk up, hi, my name is Andrew, you know, let, let's start a relationship. And -hmm. it's still going to be a no. So what in context, these parents are doing, is they're going up to their children after being estranged after hearing these horrible things about you know and knowing that their reputation has been completely just demolished and they're trying to argue timidly from a position of power and it's not working and every time they're 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 trying to reach out and they're saying well i don't understand why you're treating me this way i'm your dad i'm your mom Mm -hmm. and unfortunately while biologically, while legally speaking, yes, your mom or your dad or grandma or grandpa, brother or sister, in their eyes, you are not. They've already taken you out of, that, um, out of that throne, out of that spot. And so what ends up happening is you're trying to argue from a position of no authority, and it ends up creating a conflict. There's a lot of pushback back and forth. And then you wonder whether or not it's even worth trying. So in contrast, what I would recommend is to treat it like dating, you know, to treat it where you're trying to build a relationship. And how do you, in if we just bare bones foundation, how do you build a relationship? First thing we do, you know, we want to establish consistent communication. Well, we start with very small micro commitments, nothing that's, too big. Nothing that feels like you're being asked of the world. You know, in, in the dating realm, that could be as simple as just starting a conversation and sharing a little bit about your life and asking about theirs. In context to alienation, we could say that if you knew, for example, that your kid was I don't know deeply into anime, for example, they they love the Japanese culture or whatever, then go out there do some research. I don't care how bad it is. You know, like if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's okay. Your kid likes it for some reason. Do some research and then ask them a question. Hey, there's this anime that I saw. I wasn't sure if it was any good. Do you think it's any good? What is that? That's that's a very non-personal question. You're asking their opinion, showing that their opinion is to be validated. And what's the worst that's going to happen? No, it's terrible. Don't Don't watch it. Mm -hmm. you just got some, you just got what you could call the beginning of a conversation. Oh, it's terrible. How is it terrible? You know, I I don't really watch a lot of this stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and then from there you can try and engage them on a conversation built on their interests. It's the same. And it's easy to do with movies, easy to do with books, easy to do with sports. Mm -hmm. You know, there's what you, what you do is you just ask, these small little questions, and you're trying to get them to commit to these conversations where they are the expert on something that they enjoy.
0: What do these parents do that have been, we'll say, non-custodial parents, and um, they're, th- through no fault of their own, the court has intervened, and totally demolish the family unit (laughs) and how, okay. So then the kid, the kiddo, and we'll say they're teens, Mm -hmm. you know, like they've blocked the parent from the phone, the phones, the iPad, there's no way to contact them. Okay. And there's no way even to contact them, even say they're at college or something. What are these parents just, you know, I, I, See these parents, they're trying to contact their their child. I can't call them a child, kiddo, teen, but it's like it's uh they're failing miserably because there's just there's no way to contact them.
1: Okay. So if a parent has found themselves in that situation, that means prior to that, there was a lot of conflict. Maybe this was conflict between their ex or this was conflict with the kid.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so First thing I would recommend is a point of reflection, seeing where were those conflicts and how many of them were there? Because if there were a lot, that's probably why they've been blocked. They're trying to avoid digging up the past and it's easier just to block somebody than set the record straight. Second thing I would recommend is start looking at how do you want to live your life as a person so that way you will live your life Um, fully and happy. And I understand this is kind of a loaded statement considering part of that happiness is having the child in your life. But Mm -hmm. the issue is if your life is completely crippled because you can't live without one person, I mean, how is that different from you can't live with that one person you're in love with or Mm -hmm. or that one parent that treated you poorly? You have to find a way to stand on your own two feet, and live a life that is meaningful to you and the reason for that is because that's what leads into the third step is once you start living a life on your terms that's meaningful to you and you're out there helping your community and you're helping people that you care for your name's going to spread your reputation is going to grow and when your reputation grows that it gets, it slowly spreads out and one day you're going to eventually reach the other child and they're going to look at that and say well what I've seen and your reputation don't match up so either a whole bunch of people are being lied to or I am in the wrong and I'm in what ends up happening is it builds that curiosity it builds that curiosity of wanting to know is this person really that the person that they are and so they they want to they want to take a look they'll probably find ways to snoop around and you probably won't even notice as as the estranged parent but The important thing is you have to become somebody who is attractive to other people. Mm -hmm. You have to become somebody who is fascinating to other people. If you live your life, uh, you could say bitter and scarred, Mm -hmm. then no one wants to hang out with that person except bitter and scarred people. Negativity attracts negativity. You have to be a more positive and more outgoing person. Not saying you have to change your personality or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but you have to get out there and live your life as an example of rising over rising over tragedy
0: okay some parents might say well okay i just have a a job uh, you know that they go Mm -hmm. back and forth to how can they how can they get out there and be noticed be noticed well
1: there it really comes down to what their own interest and goals are. maybe mm-hmm. there's a a little community shelter for pets or something mm-hmm. that you could join and and be a part of. Maybe you could coach kids basketball, maybe you know you you could uh go out there and be chaperone at a school um, basically, the idea is you want to find something that's meaningful to you. And that's, Mm -hmm. so unfortunately that's the question I can't answer other than with ambiguity, considering Mm -hmm. that you have to use your own experiences and help people that in a way that matters to that person. Um, In my case, this is where my public speaking comes out and I have my own experiences. I have the stories that I, in memories that I have, I have the psychology books i've been reading since i was 13 and Mm -hmm. so i can share that with people help people out and what it does not only professionally speaking build up my name but it also builds a reputation that will ripple out to other people and to eventually the people that uh that i've been estranged from and so and and it's and it's also just a way to give yourself a chance to give back Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to, you know, to, to show people to, how do you say it? Like when, when you've been down in the dumps and you've been down in the pits of despair, you can go out there and pick somebody up and say, Hey, I got you. Mm -hmm. Because somebody else had me, somebody else helped me when I was down. And this is my chance to help you. Yeah, that's, that's
0: okay. I think that's very helpful. And I think, you know, parents should, you know, not just sit there and, and I hate to say like, grieve over these relationships Mm -hmm. and they should get out there and find something, like you said, go to a pet shelter, even um, a food pantry Mm -hmm. and um, just make yourself available to a lot of people, which would, Maybe you never know, you know, someone might be talking about, hey, I ran into so-and-so and, and, you know, something good could maybe happen out of that. Absolutely. Now, what do you think about these courts that get involved in the family business when it should be handled better? These, uh, um, you know, these false allegations, parents come under false allegations, they get the child taken away, now they're a non-custodial parent. And then that child then falls into, into this brainwashing. Okay. Okay. What do you think so, of that?
1: <laughs> well, in, in context of family court, you know, their, their job as an industry is always to just run it, run this court case through the system as fast as they can, you know, get in, get out, move on, move on. And cause they've got, probably hundreds more to deal with and as a as a profit industry it's just going to be you know the more people you deal with probably you're just going to be raking in more money overall Mm -hmm. and considering that false allegations used in court really do extend it extend the whole court case because you know you have to fight back and there's affidavits to be written and you know a whole bunch of paralegals storing and stocking and and uh organizing information mm-hmm. the uh it it, it's, it really is an unwinnable situation The mm-hmm. it's a catch-22 you know if you don't defend yourself you're opening yourself up to be you know what would be the right word uh labeled in court mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as a neglectful person drug addict what what have you um and on the flip side if you do engage in it you're going to ha- you're going to basically burn a hole through your wallet and, and earn enough credit to probably sink you for the years to come
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know if court is quite the best option in mm-hmm. this case it it and it again it's an unwinnable situation because there's mm-hmm. really nothing that we can do to really uh, change the court without some major Legislation overhaul, mm-hmm. and I don't have that secret. I don't have that mm-hmm. bill,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I doubt that most people do mm-hmm. and If you want to be the person on that front, by all means, you know dedicate yourself to that um, mm-hmm. at the same time, my experience is largely in the psychological elements, so I don't have any solutions on family court, however tying that in with allegations made against you and your child is probably hearing this there, maybe they've read the affidavits, it's possible. Um, in that instance, how'd you say it? There's, there's a quote in Game of Thrones. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Lions do not care about the opinions of sheep. Mm-hmm. This is where you have to be strong and stand on your own ground and not let yourself be shaken by these allegations somebody calls you a drug addict someone walked up to me and said Andrew you're a drug addict and i want to tell everyone you're a drug addict whether or not i take any prescription meds or not doesn't matter i don't but at the same time i don't care if i get, if i start freaking out Oh, no, my reputation's going to get destroyed. Oh no! People are going to think that'm I'm, and I'm a drug addict. Maybe you know my m- what if my uh what if my company random drug tests me? D- does that mean I'm going to get fired? Mm-hmm. No, It's not gonna. If you allow yourself to enter that spiral of panic and you allow yourself to believe that there may be some validity to their accusations, then what ends up happening is that people start wondering, well, if they're afraid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: then there must be a grain of truth to it. Mm-hmm. If you don't stand firmly in your identity, firmly in who you are as a person, mm-hmm. then all they have to do is throw five of them at you. He's a drug addict. He's an alcoholic. He's abusive. Um, you know, he's promiscuous. doesn't matter. They'll just throw them out, you, out there at you. You have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I know who I am. And those allegations are not me. So if somebody asked me, Andrew, I heard this rumor that you're a drug addict. And I'd probably respond in humor. Really? I didn't know. What kind of drugs do I do?
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just uh, because those, you know those allegations are not true. And if somebody believes them, they're going to continue to believe them if you have to defend yourself against it. You know, so in the sense, if you treat it as something insignificant, you treat it as something that is, it's an opinion below you. I know that's a very arrogant way of putting it, but bear with me.
0: That's (laughs) okay. Yeah,
1: but you treat it, it, this, you know, this negative opinion is below me. It's not true. And therefore I don't have to give it value. I don't have to give it credence. Then as an individual, we're able to, really demonstrate to anybody asking us about the validity of these uh, of these accusations and we're able to demonstrate that I am who I am you can see who I am I mean and that's all you need that's Mm -hmm. all you need to see and if you're not happy with that and if you want to believe these egregious lies go ahead
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it won't change who I am it won't change what I can do as a person. It will only change your relationship with me, and that will be on you. Now, in context with children, because children are going to be believing this, and you want to build a relationship with your children, these are the things that they're going to throw at you to test you and see if they're true or not. If you, respect, if you, if you respond with anger and frustration and defensiveness, like I said earlier, they're going to start thinking, okay, there must be some validity behind this. But if you respond calmly, maybe even stoically if you must,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and respectfully, without accusations, without saying, "Oh, that's something that your mother or your father told you. Oh, this is one of their lies. You're talking like them now," mm-hmm. you know, instead of doing that, you know, if they it's like Andrew, you abandoned me. You know, I don't, I don't, why would I want to be with someone who abandoned me? You know, it's like, well, I'm here right now. I didn't think that I'm pretty sure that's not abandonment. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, but no, you, you left me all those, those years ago and you, 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 you were never there for me and you don't care about me. and You don't love me. Did I, did I say those things? I I, I can go through my conversations real quick and let me, I can see if I said any of those things. I don't think I did though. You know, and just you're, you're showing that you're in control of the narrative and that narrative is you. Mm-hmm. So you don't let somebody take away that narrative.
0: Most definitely. Um, what I've been noticing is that um, a lot of fathers have been getting um, their kids away from the mothers and using parental alienation is a vice to do that and mm-hmm. it's um become a pattern and people are saying don't use parental alienation and um you know the uh, the other party may not be but but the uh, opposition say is using parental alienation to get this child away from the other parent even though it's not happening
1: yeah it Parental alienation is definitely something that can be used as a weapon by someone who is uh, well, willing to make those kind of false allegations. Mm-hmm. And w- for this reason, I would say is the the re- the big reason why I, when when people would talk about making parental alienation a crime, especially on internet, you know, like the the, the re- with all these knee jerk reactions because they're frustrated and they wanna have a like a, a silver bullet to end all of this i say no you can't make parental alienation a crime because of these people mm-hmm. the there are people out there that are going to accuse this person of parental alienation even though their anger their frustrations their uh, outburst are estranging the child from them and that's just where things are going to get messier in the the next 10 to 20 years or so is what I would expect considering that as we learn more and more about psychology and parental alienation overall it's going to create a you could say a pattern of accusations it's no different than saying that you know she's crazy or he's mm-hmm. abusive it's mm-hmm. just one more uh, false allegation that they can add to their book it's the the only difference is this one's new because it's new and people don't know about it as much, it's easier to you could say pass as the truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as a result, this is where I again I would lean back to what I was saying earlier, standing in standing in your truth, standing in your identity and knowing who you are as a person and not allowing that to be impacted. By a false allegation.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I know people want to make parental alienation a crime or punishable as a crime, mm-hmm. but I mean, that, that's a very scary um, <laughs> thing when um, it's, well, it's like hard to prove. Yeah. But, you know, you could have, say, a nutty judge <laughs> who says, oh, you know, uh, or a biased judge, you know, a number of things. But um, I just, I don't, I mean, I, I personally don't think it should be punishable. Uh, uh, you, you
1: can't measure it. So right? you can't um, accurately punish it. So yeah, I agree.
0: Hmm. Um, now, there are some people that outright call it junk science. And uh, there are people that, you know, no, it's not junk science. It's out there. It's real. It's, you know, it's happened to me. You know, Mm -hmm. what is your answer to these people that say, oh, this is junk science. I don't want to hear it.
1: I think that, uh, let's see, if I remember correctly, 1973, Richard Gardner coined parental alienation. And he was trying to explain the estrangement from, I think it was fathers at the time. But over time, we learned that, you know, it's a, it affects both genders equally. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was right around shortly after his introduction of parental alienation. That's where the whole uh, junk theory, junk science idea started coming out where they started accusing uh, parental alienation to be a, a front for hiding a history of sexual abuse. Now, unfortunately for many people, especially because, uh, it's such a, you could say a knee jerk topic, you know, it's a, it's a very, it, you know, when, when, when you hear, when you hear about sexual abuse of children, it just becomes, you, you know, your gut knots up, you start in like all those emotions start churning up. And the, as a result, you know, it's a very effective, uh, what you could say, uh, what's the right word for it. It's, it's very effective strategy to diminish the, the, uh, the theory itself. Mm -hmm. Now I don't agree with that. I don't agree that it's a, it's a front for sexual abuse, considering that there are many things at play. Now it may be possible, For example, that there is a statistical amount of cases that have used parental alienation as a front to continue abuse. But at the same time, we're looking at, you know, was it uh, 1973? It's 2021 right now. This is a good amount of time moving forward. We're almost, what is it, almost 40 some, Mm -hmm. almost 50 years. You know, we know a lot more now. We know that. There are key patterns in alienation that take place. There are key end results within children. You know they're coming out of these traumatic uh, light uh, lives, where after being estranged from one particular parent, they're engaging in relationships that are, in a way, you could say, uh, a direct result of the alienation process. The the thing is. There's always going to be people out there that are going to react to the knee-jerk re- reaction. Maybe because they're afraid that it is possible that somebody could be poisoned against you. Maybe it's because they're afraid that it is possible that they have been poisoned against someone else. The psyche is a very plastic thing. You know, we're, we're learning in neuroscience now just how much plasticity our brains do have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to to underestimate that, is uh you know it, it could it'll just lead you in the wrong to the wrong conclusions unfortunately mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of science to back up the experience of parental alienation this accusation has been disproven multiple times and i encourage the people who are afraid that it might be a junk science show the research where is it mm-hmm. where are the cases where this was proven How do we, what psychological concepts explain and justify this? Or is it just an angry blog article? Mm
0: -hmm. Right. There's a lot of people that are very um, angrily upset and calling it junk science. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I personally believe it's out there. Um, You know, I think it could be separated from the courts. I mean... (laughs) you could have an intact marriage and still end up uh, having a child alienated from you Mm -hmm. Um, or, and eventually when they grow up, they can become estranged from you as well. I mean, you don't know what people are going to do. And the thing is like um, when they get older, let's say they have been alienated at a younger age, like 12 ish. We'll say that not Mm -hmm. between seven and 12, you know, it's, the problem is is when they get into a relationship and if they marry and have kids, they may just start pulling away from the child themselves just so they don't get hurt and uh, just start would you call that estranging themselves from it's, the child
1: it's certainly possible um, there's a there's a newer Psychological concept. I just stumbled onto that. I, I'm not 100% familiar with it. I learned this from Bill Eddy actually. It's called Imago relationship therapy, and the idea behind the Imago theory, Imago meaning image in Latin, was that one, the the things that we're attracted to, are corresponding to the uh, the negative traits within our early childhood, especially in regards to our parents. And so it wouldn't surprise me that alongside seeking out uh, partners that embody the negative traits of our parents, that we would also engage in some of those tra- those negative traits as well, just mm-hmm. in fear of uh, experiencing what our parents experienced. Um, so it, it can definitely play both ways. It really does depend on the person, mm-hmm. and uh, and their respective journeys, mm-hmm. and and in some cases there are instances where maybe an alienating alienated child would grow up and adopt those practices and alienate a child from uh, their spouse it certainly is possible. It's not a guarantee, but I mean, again, everything is dependent on the individual's self-awareness, their ability to heal from trauma and their own Mm self-esteem. It's so there's a lot of directions this can go. And statistically, I don't know. I don't know if there is any statistics as far as uh, what direction a person is most likely to go
0: yeah it just depends on how the situation played out there 's no guarantees on anything mm-hmm. you know and um as an alienated parent it 's like you 've got to just um sit sit back and wait and see what happens you know if you yeah. if you 've been blocked or whatever you 've got to keep yourself busy and um you know I just uh worry with these the this upcoming generation that it seems like there's more alienation or maybe we're just hearing about it a lot more. It could Did be th- that.
1: I mean, it could be something that's been prevalent in history. I mean, it's, how would you say, it's easy to, to be vindictive and, and angry when you split up with someone that you once called the love of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing is a complete uh, pendulum sh- uh, shift you know from one polar you know opposite to the other and so it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising to me that we're seeing a rise in this considering that uh, as individuals our how would you say it our understanding of how to engage in conflict and Enga- especially in regards to society within people within relationships is abysmally poor. I mean, and I'm not going to go out there and blame the media, I'm not going to blame social media, I'm not going to blame anything because uh, the issue is there's too many variables. There's you're going to hear a lot of people in the world saying, Oh, well, it's, you know, it, it's because movies are so intense it's always because of pornography it's because mm-hmm. of uh, uh, you know it's because of bad education it's bad of bad politics doesn't matter because one of those is not the real reason you can't narrow it down to one thing that you just shoot a silver bullet and bam mm-hmm. the problem solved this is a multivariable problem that is rooted in our understanding of ourselves and mm-hmm. our community and how we interact with the community. Mm-hmm. And so that's not the answer people want to hear. It's something that's kind of disheartening because it means mm-hmm. there is really no magic bullet. So what do you do? Well, you start by leading by example. Mm-hmm. You show the people out there what a better life can look like. Mm-hmm. And when people start coming up to you and say, hey, how did you get the results that you have? You say, well, I did the work. hmm the reason why I'm able to speak candidly about my experiences is not because I woke up one day and I said, I'm going to be a speaker. You know, I, I'm an introverted guy. I don't like public speaking. How is it that I'm on, on I'm on a podcast and doing, doing an interview? Well, there's a few things. One, I I did the work. I read psychology, kind of figured out where am I going wrong? What do I need to do to be a better person? I I look back at my history and look back at the mistakes I've made in regards to alienation, in regards to the, uh, my, my public persona and you have to do the work. It's just, it's not a, like, I wish there was a more glamorous way of putting it. Nobody likes hearing you have to do the work because then you start questioning, is it really worth it? Will Mm -hmm. I even get there? What if I fail? All these um, doubts that come in that are already preset given that their lack of self-esteem and uh their lack of motivation and ambition has been instilled in them as a result of all these multiple variables mm-hmm. so i guess the way the best way i can put it is uh in many ways this experience is like plato's allegory of the cave mm-hmm. you know you and for those who don't know Plato's allegory of the cave is basically where it's, it's a metaphor for where a bunch of people are chained up and they're behind this large rock and all they can see in front of them are the shadows of horrible monsters and they can't figure out what it is. And so they're constantly afraid, constantly afraid to get away. And so they just sit there and they hide. And eventually one person escapes, one person escapes, and they venture towards this light at the end of the tunnel. And he realize, and this person realizes, there's a whole world out there, this whole world that they could live on their terms. It's beautiful. It's with warmth and sunlight and all these great things. So this person goes back and tells his friends, "Hey, there's an actual world out there. We just have to get past these people holding up so, um, things and." standing in front of a fire
0: mm-hmm. making
1: it look like monsters. Those are just monster shadows. They're not actual monsters. Get past the shadows and go out into the, the, uh, the real world mm-hmm. and there's something out there, something out there for you, for me, for everyone else. And then that person realizes with shock that most of these people are saying, no, there's no way. The reason for that is because their view of the world is straight ahead. They mm-hmm. They can't, how do you, you see something that you've never seen before? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's an incredibly difficult thing. So the best way, at least what I, what I believe is you have to go out there and immerse yourself in it as much as you can. And from there, those experiences will enrich your life and, and lead you to where you want to go and, and connect with the people that you want to connect with.
0: Mm-hmm. And some of these parents, you know, they need a good support system, like whether it be their family and, you know, some people just don't understand, you know, if they've been, if they've been through the, the hell of family court, you know, some, some of their, some people lose their friends over this. And then, you know, it's, it's hard for them to hear about their other kids going to graduation and you There's you can't attend a graduation because first of all your your kid might not want you there, or I don't know there could be some other legal issue that you're you can't go, and so um, some of these parents are like just uh, at a standstill, and they uh, they hopefully have you know like a good family support system or really true friends that will stand by them, Mm
1: -hmm. you know
0: have you found that you know some people just don't have a good support system.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's a it's a very easy mistake to make, you know, you believe that your experiences are incredibly isolating and the people out there just don't quite understand uh what you've been through and it 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 really is a difficult thing. One of the things that People could do, um, and I, I advise do it with caution. There are quite a few Facebook groups out there with lots of people out there. Mm-hmm. I I throw the word caution in there because if you join like 50 groups, then your Facebook feed is going to be nonstop story after story mm-hmm. of story. And most people use these groups as a way of venting out their, mm-hmm. their emotions and sharing their story. There's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, as an individual, you have to cultivate um, a healthy mental diet. Mm-hmm. And if you feed yourself negative story after negative story after negative story, what's going to happen is that person's going, you're you're inadvertently kind of giving yourself uh, anxiety over
0: mm-hmm. whether
1: or not you're going to be the next negative story. So Facebook groups, but with caution, um, mm-hmm. you can always build up your own support group as well. Uh, Of course, this really requires you as the individual to do your own personal work, whether that's through therapy or reflection, journaling, meditation, what have you. So if you set up your own support group, that's one option as well. And uh, maybe post-COVID even make that something where you can meet up in person. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of similar to like an AA meeting, but Mm -hmm. I guess it'd be a a PAA meeting, but, (laughs) but uh, the idea is that we learn more, we connect more as individuals when, and because, you know, we're social creatures, we depend on each other for love, warmth, and affection, and sometimes just giving warmth and giving love can help you find the love that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's another option. Uh, I would always encourage therapy or counseling. It's mm-hmm. tough yes, finding somebody who can understand what you're going through, especially with uh, all the misinformation out there. Like you were saying earlier with the PA might be a junk science kind of misinformation. Mm-hmm. It's tough to find a counselor that will understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. So in that instance, you might have to shuffle through a bunch of them. Maybe you'll Mm -hmm. get so tired of it. You'll be like me and just kind of find your own books. Mm -hmm. I'm loaded with book suggestions. Just message Mm -hmm. me and I will give you more than enough books you could read for the next 10 years. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of material out there. The information is out there as far as how to heal, how to find your footing, how to Get stronger it's it 's just a lot of filtering you know you 're kind of digging through and finding the gold nuggets in the riverbed you know you, you 've got to sift through a lot of dirt you 've got to sift through a lot of gunk, but just go out there find these little nuggets of truth and apply them to your life. Everything else you can just toss away
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now I hate to bounce back to the courts, but do you think? these judges and attorneys, uh, do you think they're <clears throat> partially or fully responsible for these families being torn apart and this a- alienation or maybe I'm, even feeding into it?
1: I'm somebody who believes that you are still responsible even if you're ignorant. Now, I understand that's a very absolute statement and you don't, people don't have to agree with that. But I do believe that ignorance is uh, part of our responsibility. And therefore, we have to learn and educate ourselves to prevent um, catastrophes like these happening. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do hold them responsible. At the same time, I'm not going to sit here and blame them. And the difference, I guess the, the difference is while I hold them responsible, I am not going to expect them to fix it. Mm-hmm. I think blame kind of sits when when people sit, sit around and blame these different people, they're expecting results. They're expecting somebody else to solve the problem for them. And I'm not one of those people. I don't believe in that. This is why someone like Ginger Gentile, someone I look up to, I look up to her because she saw the problem mm-hmm. and she's like, okay, I need something. I need a vehicle that will explain my message to these kinds of people so that they will understand what is going on, what is happening at large. Mm-hmm. Cause the, uh, the the easy defense for ignorance is what you don't know, you don't know, you know, it's the Dunning Kruger effect. How do you mm-hmm. know, it? you might think you know something, but then, you know, how do you, how do you really know if you, if you can't perceive it, if you can't think of it. And mm-hmm. the truth is most of the time you don't. So, with someone like Ginger going out there and creating this ripple effect with her film, for example, that's making a difference. That's making a change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, sure, you can hold them responsible. Accountable, really not much you can do. Right. So what, you, what as individuals we can do, there's, there's a few things. I mean, you could, I, I, I like to break it down into three categories. You can become an activist in the legal front so you get out there try and become a lawyer and uh and be be that somebody be that lawyer who now knows about alienation or or be that therapist who knows about alienation for example you can tackle it from the media standpoint so this is where uh like ginger comes into play you know she's somebody out there creating media that shares this kind of information you are somebody out there creating media consumable media for people and so that way someone else can come by and learn from you instead of learning from you know from someone else or someone who might give them the wrong idea if that makes sense Mm -hmm. last way is through politics so i mean all three of them have their ugly sides all three of them have their good sides and really you got to pick one of those three politics media or or uh legal Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so and i get that people are intimidated by this Mm -hmm. i get that people might look at this and say that uh you know it's a lot of work i don't i don't know if i want to commit my i just want to live my life Mm -hmm. I get that, and if that's how people want to, if that's the direction certain people want to go, by all means, go. But at the same time, you are surrendering the reality that you want into the hands of other people. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just a, a, a huge anti-control freak because I've lived my life controlled by very hurtful people. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I I don't see another solution. I don't see another solution other than getting out there, getting your elbows dirty, and creating the change that you want to see. Um, one more little short anecdote. One of the most inspiring people to me in my like in my entire life is the story of Betty Ann Waters. Betty Ann was not. Betty Ann was a just a just an average woman. In Massachusetts, she, you know, lived her life and worked as a waitress until one day her brother, Kenny, who she was very close to, was falsely accused of murder and sentenced to life in in prison. Now, Betty Ann tried her best, fought with the courts, tried to get her brother out, but none of it worked. And she knew it was false accusations. She knew who her brother was and the people that accused her admitted that they were they were false accusations that they were pressured to do so now things came to a dynamic change, shift when kenny tried to hang himself in prison mm-hmm. betty ann goes up to kenny you know like at the prison to, to talk to him try and figure out a way to keep him from killing himself and kenny says just offhanded betty ann if you were my lawyer i know you would get me out of here now, Betty Ann's kind of out of solutions. She has no idea what to do. And her only motive right now is to keep her brother from killing himself. But she agrees. And for the next, what was it, it was like seven some years, she's going through community college. She's going through law. She gets herself into law school. And later, she partners up with the Innocence Project using DNA evidence, exonerates her brother, and gets him out of prison.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Betty Ann, afterwards, lives the rest of her life managing, I think, I can't remember what she manages. It's like a store or a a bar or something like that in Massachusetts. She stopped practicing law after that. For her, and I think this is one of the most powerful things for me as an individual, is for her, getting her brother out of prison was just a phase in her life. It was just a part of her life. It didn't have to be everything. It was just a... uh, it was what she needed to do because no one else could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go out there and blame the lawyers. You could blame the police officers for um, messing up with the evidence. You could blame the people who made the false allegations. And they're all responsible. Mm-hmm. And But the person who took the accountability was Betty Ann.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that to me is far more powerful, far mm-hmm. more effective. Uh, far bigger demonstration of love mm-hmm. than, uh, than than anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that is true. Um, there's a lot of people you can't hold accountable, but you've got to hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. if you want to see change. Do you think this film Erasing Family, do you think they could get that into the schools soon? Th-
1: they already have. Um, Ginger's out there constantly promoting her film and constantly getting screenings done in schools. She's already, if I remember correctly, she's got it uh, included as a mandatory part of training for police officers in Vancouver. Oh, good. Um, she's encouraging a whole lot of people out there to uh, set up screenings and all, all of that, I believe can be found on her website, uh, erasingfamily.org. So, she's out there making those changes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's she's calling on the help of other people, of course, and and that, and so that that's why I've always been such a big uh, proponent of the film. I've always praised it. As, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 change is possible if you believe in it. If you believe that you can make those changes, and so mm-hmm. she knows who she is. She knows what she can do. And she's not going to sit around and tell people who she is. She's not going to tell people what she can do. She's just Mm -hmm. going to simply show them. Mm -hmm. And it's why I try and aspire to do something like that as well.
0: Well, I remember way back when my kids were in high school, they had Rachel's challenge Mm -hmm. and they showed it, I think in the afternoon in the auditorium. And then, um, they wanted the parents to come in the evening to to listen to him talk and everything and i think that would be great to also have the parents you know come in the evening you know after like like around 7 p.m is when we went and um it was just very moving and um just learned a lot from it and also with this erasing family if these You know, I don't know if you think tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade—they all see it. And even even in colleges, maybe Mm -hmm. it should be shown in like for a psychology class a mandatory that goes in with the psychology class as well. I think that would be great.
1: It it absolutely would, and that's where our role as media personalities as people who know and have experienced this as where our role comes to play, where we're sharing this information out there. Um, I, for me, you know, I I work with a lot of people and it's not uncommon for me to hear them talk about how they've been estranged from a kid. And then when I bring it up, it's like, oh, I've never heard of it called that, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, and the thing is, there's so many people out there who have accepted the the alienation because they, they they assume well i guess my kid hates me they they hate me mm-hmm. i mean oh well and unfortunately that is incredibly damaging on them as as a parent but it's also damaging on the child and those people aren't in facebook groups i mean just in those facebook groups alone you know you have like two to twenty thousand people depending on which group you're looking at And to think that there are so many more thousands of people out there who are just accepting it for what it is and living their life quietly in pain. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, you have to go out there, you have to spread that message as much as we can. And and the best way to do so is through mediums like this, in my opinion, either that or legal or politics.
0: Mm -hmm. Excellent. How can people reach you if they have any questions about all of this or books or? Okay. So
1: the best way to reach me is probably through my website, com. Last name is spelled F-O-L-K-L-E-R.com. Um, or just email me, start now at com. Uh, I also host the Broken Families podcast, like you mentioned earlier. That can be found on YouTube. Uh, I think we're ten episodes in, uh, actually eleven now. So yeah, I mean, those would probably be the best ways to reach me. You can always reach me on Facebook as well. I do leave myself open to uh, accept uh, uh, friend requests from parents that are struggling with alienation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but one thing I encourage is uh, if you've got a specific question, by all means, ask it. But if you if you're gonna put an entire, you know. To 10 pages of your entire story, it's, I, I, I'm not a counselor. I don't have that ability to help mm-hmm. you work through everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad I had you on Slam the Gavel. Would you like to come back on as a return guest? <laughs>
1: Abs- absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that was great. And I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. This was, uh, I, I really hope that this will help your audience. And we'll continue to spread the message around
0: oh most definitely mm-hmm. okay slam the gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation i am your host marian petrie author of dismantling family court corruption why taking the kids was not enough and cry out for justice poems of truth please join us again with andrew and other exciting guests thank you so much andrew
1: yeah, absolutely thank you so much
0: thank you